you for listening to this message from the North Gate. It is Father's Day and um, very significant, special day for me. And I'm not saying me as a dad, but knowing if you know my backstory with Roger Lovejoy. When my real dad wanted nothing to do with me, tried to literally beat my mom almost to death, kick her in the gut multiple times to take my life, and God had another plan. And shortly after I was a year and a half, my mom said, I need a a man of God. I need a man of God to help raise this boy because my mom knew there was something special on my life. And in a small Baptist church on Peck Road in Ravenna is when my mom met my dad. And I can tell you from the time I was probably two years old till I was 13 or 14, the man who wasn't my biological father was a real father to me. Would kneel down at my bedside every night when I went to bed and pray with me and showed me Abba's love. I'm realizing today at 44 years old that the orphan spirit is crippling America. You can have a dad, you can have a mom and still feel orphaned and still feel alone. And so I'm thankful with the story that I have with this man that when people, when I found out about when I was nine that I was adopted, I didn't want to hear it. I'm a love joy. I would get angry. I'm a love joy. As I got older in my 13, 14, and some of the love joys would be like, you're not, re- no, I'm a love joy. I would want to fight you because of what that man mean to me. And even when I became an older teenager, I never referred to him as a stepfather. I referred to him as a father, period. And I would tell people, adoption is so real that as I got into my late teenage years in athletics and just personality, people would say I walked, talked, and acted just like a lovejoy. And when people would find out later on in my late teen years that I was adopted, they would be like, there's no way. You act like him. You talk like him. As I'm getting older, my kids are going, Dad, you're just like Papa. (laughs) That's how real the spirit of adoption should be in all of us in our connection with Abba. And so if it wasn't special enough that God gives me a Dad, God gives me a spiritual father in Papa D. And then God knew what he was doing in giving me a father-in-law who is a father who is completely opposite of me. But through years of love and patience, Mike Savage may be one of the most patient men. And I'm being honest. What we have walked through together in 17 years, you could have shot me, had somebody else shoot me. 
but I'm, I'm listen. Even in my moments of, and hear me in this impurity, even in my moments of stupidity, that man never raised his voice to me. He's never cussed at me. He's never belittled me. And neither has this dad. And the spiritual father God gave me treats me the same way. Being a father is a gift. And understanding the father's love is even a bigger gift. And I'm thankful that even through my stubbornness, God knew what he was doing through the story to place three different men in my life to show me that I'm loved by Abba. And then God places an adhever who's been nothing but kind to me and supported my wife and my kids in this house. And then God gives me a best friend in Mike Thompson and Mike Manichi to help me lead this who have been nothing but fathers in this house. This is why an orphan spirit can't remain here. Because there's nothing but good men in this house. There's nothing but good men in this house. And I'm thankful for every father in this room and father yet to be. We are setting great examples of commitment, loyalty, patience, and kindness to you soon-to-be dads. And I am thankful on this Father's Day to be connected to every one of you. We are perfect right now. We are right on time and right where we're supposed to be. And Streetsboro and Portage County is standing on tippy toes. Waiting for this to be unveiled. Is that arrogance? No. What I saw God doing in Chloe Cutright. Now imagine every teenage girl in Streetsboro High School. Imagine every girl in Ravenna High School. Imagine every girl in Wyndham. Imagine every girl in Aurora. Imagine every... The love of Jesus is the answer. And I'm going to clear up one thing to you or to anybody who has a religious thought. Last week when I said Muslims are welcome here and homosexuals are welcome here and religion would go, you're saying all of that is okay? That's not what I said. I said everybody's welcome here to encounter the love of God. Then what are you going to do? You're going to tell them? Yep, I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them what's in this book. You know what's in that book? Jesus loves you. And I'll let his love deal with a multitude of sin. Why? Because there's good fathers in this room. 
There's good mothers in this room. There's amazing sons and daughters in this room. And we don't have to come up with a gimmick to pack this room. Creation's groaning for an unveiling. We haven't been unveiled yet. And I don't care how small that thing will be in Ravenna. It won't be small forever. We just have to wait for an unveiling. People get impatient. That's how we end up with kings before David. That's how we lose the prophetic and become systematic. Because we're more worried about numbers. I'm not worried about numbers. When the unveiling takes place, they need to see the love of a Mike Savage, the patience of a Mike Savage, the loyalty and the heart of generosity in a Roger Lovejoy. The consistency of a man, watch, who didn't have to call me son. But you did. And I called you dad. And I always will. I pray that my sons feel what I feel at 5.30 in the morning in a truck watching the sun come up. Getting ready to go hunting in the woods. And I hope you boys feel what I felt when I was wayward. And that man took me to church. And would lay in an altar with me and pray with me even though I wasn't living right. He never condemned me. That's the love of Jesus. So this house would not be what it is without God connecting the Lovejoy family and the Savage family together. They are grandparents to you. They are like parents to you. And they serve one amazing role of leadership. And you know what that is? Love people. That's it. And Pat, I'm finally thankful that you can be you. I feel like the next 10 years in this church, you're going to get to mother more than you've ever mothered because you're in a sweet spot. And I don't get to prophesy over you much, but I'm telling you, I hear the word of the Lord. The mothering and fathering mantle is still on you too. This promotion is an announcement of what's coming for you guys to own your own home again, to begin to open up and host well. 
because that's your heart. Well, we honor Papa and Peppa as they come, and let's just love on them. honor these two men. Yes, the good part is they get along. <laughs> you know what even the best part is? They both love the way Damon makes fun of me. <laughs> Secret part is all of you like that. Go ahead and have a seat. Oh, man. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So listen, I, I think with, it's just easy. And I want this to be a part of the sermon as it goes out on podcast. That needs to be a part of the sermon because people need to hear this. People need to hear what life is really like. And so this is get the word out. Telling my story about my dad brings encouragement to everybody in this room. Brings encouragement. Some of you will get to tell this story to a single mother or a single dad that's a friend of yours. That I heard the story come from my pastor of his mom and dad meeting and her praying for a man of God. And what he did in raising me in the fear of the Lord and giving me permission to be who I am and going out and buying me an $800 drum set when they really didn't have the money, but took me to a church that wasn't normal. No, it was not. Not at all. And I remember this little elderly African-American woman. I, I was probably 10. Anybody in here 10? I think Buggy's the closest thing. He's 12. But I remember being 10 years old, having cars and G.I. Joes on the front row. And this little woman comes up and puts her arm around me and she starts prophesying over me and prophesying to my mom and says, the Lord's going to give him a musical talent to play the drums. And it's going to come quickly. Take your children to a place that they can be identified. Don't take them because they've got a good daycare babysitting church program. Take them where the Spirit's moving. Because it was in that church is where my uncle was the pastor and I remember my grandma going out in the spirit and they had old wooden pews with no padding and I watched the back of her head hit a wooden pew and it sounded like a wooden baseball bat hitting a tree and not one bump, no blood, nothing. Those are the kind of churches I was raised in, full of the spirit like we were in here. Watching little Caleb Manichi bury his face in the stones praying, crying out to God. Last week, watching Addie, five years old, lay her hands on her mom with tears running down her face. That's the kind of church I was raised in. And I'm thankful for a father that took his family to the weird church 
that at the time, I didn't want my friends to know I went to the weird church. But now I understand I needed to go to the weird church because I would get identified in that church with different talents and giftings and abilities and help me on my path even when I tried to go another path. And that little woman looked at me and said, he'll play drums and he'll play drums quickly. I kid you not, within 30 days of that prophecy, I was in a church in a band with my dad. And we were not, and he had no radar after that prophecy. He was not in a band at that time. And then all of a sudden, it was like the next day, he sees Charlie Erie. Charlie said, Roger, what you doing, buddy? Oh, nothing. You in a band right now? Nope. We got a band going on. You want us to play? Cool, let's play. We go to church that week. I'm in the church. Dad goes, hey, I'm in this band now. You want to go to band practice? Sure, let's go. I go to band practice. Guess what happens? Drummer don't show up. Charlie Erie don't know anything about the prophecy. I'm sitting there on the front row again watching them practice. And he goes, hey, young man, how old are you? I'm like, 10, 11. Hey, you want to learn how to play drums? All right, this is getting weird. <laughs> Dad kind of looks at me. Sure. I don't know how to play. Charlie being Charlie, one of the most encouraging men I've ever been put in my life, looked at me and goes, I'm going to make it simple on you. He's like, hey, when your dad's strumming that guitar, when he gets excited, he pounds his foot. You know what he's pounding his foot to? The beat of the song. He said, so we're going to play this whole song, Jimmy. You see that pedal on that drum? He said, when your daddy pushes his foot, I want you to hit that pedal. And so for two songs, all I did was hit that pedal. I just hit that pedal. I just hit that pedal. He said, man, you're catching on pretty quick. It was the word of the Lord. See, when you put yourself in the word of the Lord, it's easier than you could ever imagine. Charlie said, hey, you know what's cool and clever about playing drums? He said, you know how you're hitting that beat with your foot? He said, now hear it in your mind. There's a space that after you hit that foot, hit the snare drum. And he says, it's as easy as boom, 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 boom. Played two songs, boom, 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 boom. He said, you know how me and your dad play guitar and we're strumming away? He said, I want you to take that other hand and just hit that ride cymbal the same way we're strumming the guitar. When it's the word of the Lord, it makes sense. Listen to me. When it's the word of the Lord, it makes sense. If I was to put anybody else behind that drum set that didn't have the word of the Lord, it wouldn't make sense. But it made sense because it was my word. And when you start discovering your word that is inside of you, you ain't got to justify it to nobody. You ain't got to explain it to nobody. Because guess what happened? Within a week, the other drummer quit. I got hired. I don't know. I've only been playing for a week. Charlie says, it's okay. See, when you surround yourself around loving fathers, they don't care if you make mistakes. And they believe in you even when you don't believe in yourself. 
And when they start finding out you have a word, guess what they're going to do? Keep pushing you to the word even when you don't know if you can believe the word. Even if it's kind of happening in front of you, but it's not really happening in front of you, just a little bit of it happened. If a father's around you, he believes in the word. The father always believes in the word because the word will never be forsaken because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And when you get around real fathers, they understand the word is with you. Even when you don't think he's with you, he understands that the word is with you because the father is the one that puts the word in you and it's fathers that identify you. I didn't know I was going here with all this, but hey, this works. So inside of that, out of nowhere, within a month, I was playing drums just like the little old weird black lady told me. Just like she told me. And so inside of all of you, from the day of the first encounter, you have words. And so you know what needs to happen? For Zion's sake, let me say it like this, for Streetsboro's sake, for Portage County's sake, for Zion's sake, how can I keep silent? For Jerusalem's sake, how can I remain quiet? I will keep interceding until her righteousness breaks forth like the blazing light of dawn, which is the new day, and her salvation, which is her security. Where does the security and the salvation start? In the word. It starts in you believing the word. It starts by you walking out the word. No matter if there's fire, no matter if there's rain, no matter if there's snow, no matter what comes your way, what's the word? Think about the journey that's got us up to tonight. Think about the preaching in the series. It's not just good sermons. It's not just good storytelling. Abba has been, to all this year, Abba has been trying to explain something to us. And tonight he took us all back to our first encounters where you first encountered his love and then from there he started delivering words to everybody. You don't think there's days that I don't come in here and stand up here and say, I might as well quit. Look at me, according to the success of America, what, 70, 80 people in this room, if that, in this whole building? maybe a hundred. By the means of denomination, I'm not successful. But the tears running down my dad's face and Tina's dad's face and my kids start to tear up. We're perfect. When I put a robe on the McCoons, we're perfect. Do I think the gospel should affect more people? I do. But I think first and foremost as a father, before you can help other people's families, can I help this one? Can I help the true liars? Can I help the duckworths? Can I lead the hardballs? Can I lead the Bollingers? Can I lead the channels, the Lazaders, the Yeltons, the Mitchells? the boyettes, the luckies, the chambers. Can I lead you? The kales. Can I lead you? Or should I say, will you let me lead you? Or should I say even better, am I allowed to father you? And if we're going to father and do family together, 
then we're going to mess it up. We're going to blow it. We're not going to do it perfect in our eyes. But every time we make a mistake, Abba's going, you're learning. It did not feel good. It did not feel good. I know Justin McCoon. I know you. It did not feel good when James wrecked his bike that you bought him. You gave it to him, Justin. And he failed. He fell on his face. Is that dad's fault? Or does dad believe that I love him enough to give him a bike and if he screws it up today, there's gonna come a day he might be on a motorcycle. There might come a day that he might be driving something that we never thought he could drive, but it started with a bike that he wrecked. God doesn't expect you not to wreck. He expects you as a son to come running to him when you wreck what he gave you. Oh my God. That's real father-sonship. You're going to wreck the bicycle. But for Zion's sake, will you tell the world how much daddy loves you? You knew he couldn't ride it perfect. You knew it. But you trusted him anyway. Because you want him to ride more than a bike but he has to start with a bike first and wreck every one of them you wrecked when you got the bike from dad. But it didn't stop you. So for creation's sake, understand your security. Understand your salvation is like a burning torch Sons will see your victory vindication when you can ride the bike. The nations, the sons will see your victory when you allow yourself to mess up. Does that mean I, Paul said, no, don't continue to sin. That's not what this is about. This is not about a continuation of going against the word of the Lord. This is not what that is. This is saying that God is going to put some things in your life that he knows you're going to slip up so you can learn because he sees 20 years down the road. He sees 40 years down the road. He sees 50 years down the road. And he does not despise the day of small beginnings because if we're going to change culture, we have to begin to understand even after Noah built the ark, everything didn't shift. Even after Jesus died, everything didn't shift. Even after a king or a president gets elected, everything doesn't shift. It's when something sets in and it allows itself to root in and mature is when reformation will come. We are preaching a gospel that religion literally wants to cut our heads off and says this is not the gospel of Jesus because you don't have no rules and you don't have no regulations. You're just a free-for-all. No, I'm not. But you telling everybody in fornication they're going to hell isn't stopping fornication. Fornication is running rampant today with the message of hell being the predominant message. But you know why people are hooking up? Because they're not loved. And they think if we hook up out of wedlock, I'll find what I'm looking for. 
So somebody's got to preach the real message of the love of Jesus. That'll end abortion, that'll end divorce, that'll end fornication, that'll be a shift in transgenderism and homosexuality, that'll be the shift of the Muslim reign. Fastest growing religion in the world is is, is Muslims. Why? Because they're not worried about converting you, they're worried about raising their family. They're focused on their family. Focus on what's in front of you and allow God's fingerprints to be all over it. Amen? Amen. So in this, what are, we, what are we doing right now? Nations will see your victory vindication. When you wreck the bike, get up and ride it again. When you wreck the bike, get up and ride it again. When you wreck the bike, get up and ride it again. Abba gave it to you. You're gonna learn how to ride it. God gave it to you. You're going to learn how to use it. God gave it to you. You're going to learn how to use it. God gave you the word. You're going to see its victory, but you're not going to get it right off the bat. You will look like you have, ah, somebody hear me. I started playing drums and people were like, my goodness, he's only been playing for a month. Yeah, put me up against somebody else who's been playing for five years. I don't know what I'm doing, but I had a word. Now I'm mature in the word some 20 years later and I look different than when Buggy's on the drums, but I'm trusting that Buggy is going to be even better than what I am. That's why you can't give up on the word when you crash the bike. And he didn't have judgment when James wrecked it. You ran to him. Tears running down his face. Big old mark on the side of his face. I saw him and said, brother, who'd you get in a fight with? I didn't fight nobody. (laughs) Oh, you're a liar, James. Don't you call me a liar? You know how James is, little fiery redhead. I didn't fight nobody. I wrecked my bike, Papa Jimmy. You going to keep riding that bike? Yep, watch. I'm going to keep riding that bike. Why is he going to keep riding that bike? Because it was a gift from his dad. Some of you are wanting to give up on dreams just because you're not where you want to be yet, but you're learning. You're learning in the whole process. And there are days that you feel bumped, banged, beat up, destroyed, defeated. And guess what Abba's really telling you to do? Get on that bike again. Get on that bike again. Because how are you going to feel when there's no training wheels? How are you going to feel when he takes off on his bike and then the next thing it's a four-wheeler and the next thing it's a motorcycle and the next thing it's a car and the next thing it's a truck and the next thing? How can you believe in big dreams when the first time you wreck the bike you want to throw it away? Will the scrapyard take it? Sure, Jeff Allen will take it. You know why? Because if he don't scrap it and it looks good enough, he's going to give it to his dad and his dad's going to put it on the front lawn. He's going to try to sell it to the next dad. Some of y'all missed what I just said. He's going to give it back to his dad so his dad can give it to the next dad so that somebody can get a son to dream. God don't let anything go to waste. A good father doesn't let anything go to waste. Y'all hearing this a little different tonight, huh? 
And in this, you'll be called by a brand new name with your victory. What is that, beloved? Given to you from the mouth of Yahweh himself, you will be, you will be a beautiful crown held in the hand of Yahweh, a royal splendor, a royal crown of splendor held with an open palm. Why? So everyone can see you. You will never be called the abandoned one again, which means no orphan spirit. Everyone belongs. Everyone fits in. That's what we're trying to accomplish in this house. It's control and brainwash. No, we're trying to be a crown that everybody belongs. You'll never be called the abandoned one again, nor will your land be called deserted, but you will be called my delight is in you. This makes sense with the bike riding thing. I think for the last four weeks that I've read that God's delighted in me, I think you've looked at the crash on the bicycle rather than when you actually start riding. What is Justin going to feel? I know what I felt like when T-Bone started riding that bike around Mama's yard. Look at me, Dad. You, you remember Flying, pedaling that little bike. Mom always, mom always had a bunch of little bicycles. It was almost like Jeff Allen's at Mama's. <laughs> all kinds of tricycles and bicycles, and all these kids jump. Watch all these kids full of wonder jumping on these bikes and riding, and watching them wreck, and watching them ride, and watching them wreck, and watching them ride. But man, through the years, watching my mom run that daycare and watching so many kids learn how to ride a bike, there's nothing more enjoyable than when the parent pulls up or you watch a parent see a kid ride a bike for the first time. Now you understand my delight is in you. Now you start to see the father celebrating. I gave you a word and you crashed it quite a few times, but watch them go. Watch the company go. Watch the city go. Watch the school go. Watch, watch them go. That's what I designed them to be full of wonder and enjoying the ride. Yes. <sighs> My delight is in you. What's the delight? You living. When you were crying, not because you messed things up, Chloe. She was so loved tonight. Jesus is on the throne going, look at my girl. Now, watch her play softball when even if she strikes out and makes an error, you can't fail. Watch my girl get ready for school in the morning when she knows how much I love her and doesn't give two flips about any of the boys in the school. You become unstoppable. My delight is in you. So he starts getting delighted when you get dressed in the morning. He starts getting delighted when you start the car. He starts getting delighted when you go to the bank. He starts getting delighted when you go to the grocery store. He gets delighted in you when you go on vacation. He gets delighted in you when you do anything in the world because now you are the glory of God because you're fully alive and you're not eating from the I'm not good enough tree. Yeah. <sighs> ah. There goes all my doubt. There goes all my questioning. There goes all my fear. There goes all my pain. There goes all my suffering. There goes all my frustration. Because he's delighted in me. And when we find out that we are Hephzibah, and your land is my beloved wife, Beulah, 
For Yahweh finds his delight in you and he now marries the land. Once he marries the land. Look at me. Once he marries streets, bro, because you actually realize when you're crashing the bike, he's having a good time. My thought is changing. My thought is changing. People tried to come at me this week through social media. I wanted to vindicate and have vengeance and go after. I wanted to retaliate. But something has happened in me. They're doing that because they're broken. When they lash out at me because of what we're doing in here or what we're doing in the city and they lash out on me, you know what the real issue is? Not me. They're not satisfied with themselves. So we need to make sure that they know the Lord is delighted in them even when they try to bring harm on someone else. Because the goal is for Zion's sake, get the word out. Let everybody know that even in your darkest, darkest sufferings, you're loved by God. Because we want to see the land be married. And what happens when the land gets married? All inheritance comes for everybody. Listen to me, for everybody. Everybody's dream turns into Candyland. Everybody's dream turns into Oz. Everybody's dream. We've not seen that yet because all we can do is tell people, connect to Jesus so you can go to heaven. And we miss the fact that the one that we want to go see is coming here and he told us to pray that where he's at becomes here. Sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. All agree? Matthew 6 is clearly there. When you pray, I need you to pray to my dad. Because my dad wants to give you a bike. My daddy, who's not here, but is up there. Our father, how'd be thy name? Let me tell you what his name is. Jehovah. Yahweh, it's mighty, it's provider, it's healer, it's banner. I got to tell you who my dad is. It's not judge. So I'm going to get you away from the judge thing, and I'm going to make you so mad that when you call him judge, and you call him killer, and you call him mad, and you call him angry, and you call him vengeance, and you call him this, I'm going to call him daddy, Papa, Abba, who's not here, but he's coming. Why? Because I'm here now. How be his name that is nothing negative? And I really want my dad's home here. Thy kingdom come where? On earth. And so religion comes with a teaching for us to get out of here. When Jesus wanted all disciples to pray, that's who he was teaching in Matthew 6. I want you to pray that my dad's home comes here. It's going to mess with people. It's going to mess with people. The rapture theology has only been around for 150 years. Jesus was here way before that. 
But we can't control you if we tell you you can have heaven here. We can only control you if there's a fear of hell. And why if I'm coming to church every Sunday, am I afraid of a place I'm not going to? Because I can get duped by a spirit called religion that tells me I'm not good enough to see heaven here. You mean there's no sweet by and by? Yes, there is. There's access to both. Jacob showed us that. Jacob showed us with a ladder of angels descending and descending. So if that manipulative rascal had access to that, if that lying son of a gun, oh, come on, get real, it's your Bible. He was a punk. He was a chump. He was a manipulator. He was a liar. He was a cheat. But he had a treasure. He had a word. He had, he had a bike that was given to him that he didn't know how to ride and he screwed it up when he kicked his brother off the bike. Yes. So when do we get tired of trying to steal our brother's bike and realize we have a bike for us too? Quit trying to do it your way, which is lucrative. Kick your brother off the bike. Try to act like your brother rather than be your authentic self. It's the hierarchy message. He's the firstborn. He's more blessed than I am. One of the most screwed up men in all of history becomes a father. Where did he learn how to become a father when he fell in love with Rachel? Abba put something in front of him that was the word it was the connection. It was the Roger Lovejoy to my story. Rachel was the Roger to his story. When he saw Rachel, how can I love something so much? That word's coming alive in you. That word's coming alive in you. That word's coming alive in you. When you saw her, don't tell me you ain't got to be connected to people to fulfill your dreams. Because if he would have just stayed a punk, the moment he laid eyes on her, everything shifted for him. And he had to wreck that bike with Leah. And he had to wreck that bike with his brother Esau. But God always comes with reclamation and redemption. He was able to tell his brother, I'm sorry. He was able to tell him, I love you. He was able to love Leah and Rachel. He ended up becoming a father and loving everyone. Why? Because he realized that just me, Jacob, hold on, name change, Israel, has a gift too. I've got a bike. Have you noticed the couple weeks here? I strutted around and said, I got a robe. I got a bike. I got a bike. I got a bike. I got a bike. And I've wrecked my bike. I've wrecked my bike called my marriage. That's a word of the Lord. I've got a bike called kids, legacy, a 
messed that one up. I got a bike called the Northgate. I wrecked that one too. And every time, Dad came running. Every time. Every time. Every time. Every time. And listen, he just didn't come running. Yeah, did he come running in the spirit? He did, but he put a Roger Lovejoy in my story. And he put a Damon Thompson in my story. And he put a Mike Savage in my story. And he put an Ed Heaver in my story. And he put a Mike Thompson in my story. And he put a Pat Savage in my story. He put a Chloe in my story. And he put an Ashley McCoon in my story. I can remember when we wrecked the bike. And what did we do? We picked it up. And we got back on it. Because that's what family does. That's what family does. That's what family does. That's what family does. Because you know what's happening? Every time we pick the bike up, Lisa, every time we pick it up, we start figuring out he's delighted in us. He's going to let me try again. He's going to let me try again. No matter how much damage I do, he's going to let me try again. So what's my response for everything that comes at me? Love. No records of wrong. Oh, I, I, I'm human. I want to lash back. But it doesn't fix anything. It didn't fix anything on this bike. It doesn't fix anything on that bike. It doesn't fix anything in this bike. I cannot remember the last time I actually got physically, verbally mad at somebody in this church since I wrecked a bike named Chad Hunter. I've not wrecked that bike in three years. Listen to me. I've not wrecked that bike in three years. They want to think I've wrecked that bike. I've not wrecked that bike. And I picked that bike up and I've called that bike many times and say, I love you. Our response cannot be vengeance. Our response in the story cannot be vengeance. His response in our story is never vengeance or I told you so. Because when we do that to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we tell people and tear people down and tell others, I'm better over here, I'm better over here. No, you're not. You're leaving open holes. And the only holes this body was supposed to have was in his hands, in his feet, in his side. That's it. That's it. We are to show the world he's delighted in us so that he can marry our land so that the builder's sons can build. Kingdom builders, dreamers, hear me in 2 Corinthians. When we do things common, we miss the fact There were treasures. Apostle Paul said to Corinth, we are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's and not ours. 
seen as God's, not ours. Watch. Though we experience every kind of pressure, look at me. You can't imagine it. How old is James? He's five years old. Eddie's five. Zar's five, right? Six. Do you know that when a kid gets on a bike with no training reels, do you understand the pressure that they feel to watch, to impress dad? They think they're common. But when they grab hold of the word of God and get on that bike, they feel invincible. This is why you can't get out of the boat. This is why you can't get out of your word. Because Abba wants you to feel invincible. And even if you crash, he wants you to get back on that bike and feel invincible again. You know what's amazing about a kid that crashes a bicycle when he gets on it the second time, the third time, the fourth time? You know what happens about the fifth time? He starts to realize, I figure out how to fall and protect myself. I figure out how to embrace for the crash. I figure it out. You know what he starts going? I'm going to crash. It's okay. But when I don't crash, this ride is awesome. When I don't crash, this ride is awesome. And when they start to learn how to ride, all of a sudden they start finding ramps. They start finding... They figure out ways to soup their bikes up with pop cans and baseball cards so it sounds like something. Watch. So it sounds like something that they can eventually get promoted to. They start dreaming. I might be on a little bike now, but one day I'm going to be on a Jimmy Cook. Uh, make it rumble, baby. <laughs> you know what happens when you get on the word and you actually enjoy the ride? You start dreaming for the next one. You start dreaming for the bigger. And you know what's crazy? Every little kid on a bicycle, even all you teenagers that have bikes, you are sitting here going, I'm ready to get my car. Not only are they ready to get their car, if I hear Tesla one more time out of Trenton, I'm going <laughs> to... Gas, son. Gasoline. V8. <laughs> You know what that little sucker told me? Authenticity. 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 I'm beloved dad. I'm going to be a billionaire. That's why I'm going to drive Teslas. You know what I can't do? I can't crush his dream. Listen, he may tell you he don't like country music. He may buy a Tesla, but that sucker loves to kill deer. So there's a little bit of redneck in there. Watch. Why are we talking like this tonight? About get on your bike. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. I can look at sons and families in this room and say thank you for not quitting. 
we're showing them how to not quit. Quit, listen. I love that when we quit looking for the easy way out. Quitting's not an option. So I'm telling some of you in this room, quit looking for the easy way out. You know what the easy way out is? Put those training wheels back on. Put them training wheels back on. The truth of the matter is every kid we put on a bicycle, are they capable of riding the bike or not? Every kid is capable of riding the bike. Every son and daughter is capable of fulfilling the word of God because you're beloved. So quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We sang that tonight. We may be knocked down, but we are not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity, which is this, your life. Somebody needs to see you ride the bike. You know why James wants to ride a bike? Because Livy can ride a bike. You need to get around people that are enjoying the ride of the word of the Lord so you won't jump off your bike and give up. You need to surround yourself with people who have stayed the course, not looked for the easy way out. Because in this right here, whether there's 500 people at the day of the signing of the deed or there's 10, I'm going to enjoy this ride. I'm going to enjoy this ride. Why? Because I had a father who's watched me crash this bike called the Northgate tell me when I'm walking around this room, walking around this parking lot praying, God's going to give you that building. Don't send me another strategy of how to buy it. Do you know what that father's telling me? Get on the bike. Keep riding. Keep riding. Keep riding. Why is it important? Because some people are going to crash. Many are going to crash. But they need to hear the sound of beloved calling their name. Back to the table of inheritance. Back to the originality of the word. Put up 2 Samuel for me. I'm going to end with this. That's my first time I've said this. I will fight you. <laughs> Old Testament has some awesome stories. Now beloved said, is there anyone still who is left in the house of King Saul that I may show him kindness Beloved wants to show kindness. Watch this right here. For whose sake? Is there anyone, not because of Saul, not because of systematic leading, not because of what the world want, because of his friendship with a father? Is there anybody in King Saul's legacy that I can show beloved kindness to because of a friend's sake. I'm going to keep it short and not read this whole thing. They said, yes, there's one named Mephibosheth. Jonathan's son is still alive. We've preached the Mephibosheth story. 
from the angle of the one who can't walk rather than the true angle of the father who was a committed, loyal friend. Mephibosheth would never have been a thought in beloved identity's mind. A king named David if there wasn't a father that had characteristics that could move the heart of beloved identity. When our kids can't walk, when our kids can't ride the bike, when our kids can't get it together, we as adults have to stop looking as ourselves as Melchizedek or as Mephibosheth, and we have to look at ourselves as Jonathan. God, teach me to be loyal to beloved identity. Teach me to be a friend to those that can even take my father's place, to those that can even do it better than me, to those. Jonathan had such a love for David that he took off his own tunic, his own royal robe, and placed it on David. Do you know why I'm standing here? Because this man in a prayer meeting who was getting ready to pastor a church that was about to be planted by Bethel, by Steve Witt and Bill Johnson, a group called the Champions, in a moment of the Spirit, like we were in here earlier, this is why it's important to connect yourself to the right people. We're in a prayer meeting with about 20 people, and this man grabs me with tears running down his face. And he says, I have to shut all of this down. And I'm thinking, why? This is amazing. Because this is not for me. This is for you. He said, like Jonathan and David, he said, I take what's happening in this barn and I put my robe on you. And he looked at me and he said, I'll follow you the rest of my life. If Jonathan doesn't do that, then Mephibosheth named Sam. Happy Father's Day, brother. How many more Sams need Jonathan's? That if he can't take care of Sam, David will always make sure Sam has a place at the table. Don't tell me this ain't about kingdom family. Don't tell me that you don't need a church. Don't tell me. Because Mephibosheth needed a place at the family table and he always had a place because of his daddy named Jonathan was connected to a man named David and David made sure from that day on in that scripture text of Samuel 9 that Mephibosheth never missed a meal ever again. You want to make sure your family never goes without then find out how loved you are in a field playing a harp so that when you meet Jonathan, you know he's not a poser. I could read you scripture text out of Samuel and the scripture text clearly says, 
when David, doesn't it? When David and Jonathan looked into each other's eyes, when beloved saw beloved, they were connected forever. And it didn't matter if Jonathan was king. Watch me. When beloved gets connected with beloved, it doesn't matter if Jonathan's king or David is king. It doesn't matter if Mephibosheth becomes the next king or if one of David's sons becomes the next king. It did not matter. Hierarchy gets broken when family looks into each other's eyes and says what is mine is yours and what is yours is mine. Welcome to the most beautiful picture of the Trinity. Love, loving, love, loving, love, loving, love, loving, love, loving, love. The unity of the Godhead we do not understand because it is Jonathan and David looking into each other's eyes. Whatever is mine is yours. Welcome to the third great awakening. God is finally connecting a body full of holes and putting the pieces back together. It's so much better your way. The church is the most divorced entity in the world. And it's called something that's not in Scripture again, called denomination. Denomination is nothing more than a divorced bride. that down to the foundation, we believe all the same thing, born of a virgin, died a death, rose again. And then we start arguing over silly stuff. You speak in tongues, we don't speak in tongues. Who cares? My question is, can you lay on your face and weep at his feet and then position yourself to his chest so that no matter what, you're loved by him? whether it's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost or in the name of Jesus, whether you have church on Sunday or you have it on Friday, whether you have a soup kitchen or you have a food bank, whether you have blue walls or yellow walls, whether you have a pastoral board or you don't, whether you call yourself apostle, bishop, pastor, whatever term is in the Bible, why are we arguing over that stuff? so that the world that's standing on tippy toes can see a body with more holes. They only need to see holes in his hands, holes in his feet, holes in his side. And with perfect love, he says it's all finished. How will they know that we are Christians this Father's Day? By how we love one another. Not continue to try to tear each other down. It's a license to live however you want. No, it's not. When love kicks in, you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And the more you choose wrong, he'll let you wreck that bike and he'll pick you up and he'll let you ride it again. He'll let you wreck that bike and he'll pick it up again. He'll let you wreck that bike and he'll pick it up again till you start enjoying the ride called freedom which is not your choice. What do you mean it's not my choice? He bought you the bike. And he also makes the path for the bike. And he also has the promotion to the next bike. 
and we are spending our lives on a bicycle, crashing, going. They wrecked, going to hell. They wrecked, going to hell. I was going. No, they're not. If you keep telling them that, then every time they wreck, they're going to be discouraged. Could you imagine when James wrecked that bike? If you were like, what are you doing? You're never going to do that. Could you imagine if you did nothing but beat him down and tell him how he can't do it right? Guess what he'd finally, guess what he would finally do with his bike? Throw it in the trash. Welcome to American Christianity. And we wonder why churches are empty. Do I believe in homosexuality? Do I believe in fornication? Having sex before marriage? Do I believe in lying and stealing and manipulation and not paying your taxes? I don't believe in any of that. Because love has been written perfectly on a directive narrative in this book full of adventurous stories. Do you know why people fornicate? Do you know why they lie? Do you know why they manipulate? Because they're trying to find something that they can only find in perfect love. So if you wreck your bike around here, guess what I'm going to tell you? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If the first thing you do doesn't work, try again. The second time it doesn't work, try again. If the third time it doesn't work, I'm probably going to tell you why you keep trying it that way. For every entrepreneur in here, there's a kingdom way to do this. For every single person in here, we have an awesome apostle that made a four-room system that is safe. For everybody venturing to buy a new car and find a new house and all these things that you think are going to fulfill yourself, new shoes, new clothes, new haircut, new this, new that. Why don't you ask Abba? Tina said, I didn't even know you still had this shirt. I'm digging through my shirts, and I've told you guys this before. Abba, what do you want me to wear today? A threshing floor. What's a threshing floor? It's the separation of the wheat, which is good for me, and the chaff that does nothing for me. Listen to me. The threshing floor is a place where the separation happens of what is good and will make me grow and make me find everything that Abba has for me and then the chaff does nothing for me. We need to come to the threshing floor again so that Abba can begin to separate things out of our... This is good for me. This is not so good for me. You're getting legalistic. I, no, I'm not. There are times where secular music is not good for me. And there are times that I have the liberty to listen to ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. I'm from the 90s. Don't stop because my body's in motion. That's Big Mike's favorite song. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Big Mike loves the Humpty Dance. He loves it. 
He's like, I can't lie. But watch, you want to know about the elder of this church? One of the leaders of this church? He doesn't listen to that every day. Because there's a threshing floor in our relationship of devotion with Abba that he begins to tell us what's right for us and what's not right for us. And if we want to restore the walk of the Garden of Eden, then we have to stop eating from the tree of what we think is right for us and us right for not. The knowledge of good and evil, which is the knowledge of I know what's right for me and you don't. How do we know if we're not eating from that tree, we start taking it. Ready? I'm going to end with this. We start taking it to Abba, Father, first. Then you take it to a father. This is where American church struggles. And you know what we keep doing? Business adventures. Church affairs relationships but it feels right you ready for the book is your God what seems right to a man the end therefore is death destruction sin get you out of cadence with God is pleasurable for a season the end therefore is destruction why is America in such despair? Because we continue to eat from a tree of what seems right to us. The end, therefore, is. What seems right to a man, the end, therefore, is. Sin is pleasurable for a season. The end result is. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I think I want to trust his plan. I think I want to trust his mind. I think I might want to take some stuff to prayer. So what happens in a moment like this? It's the robe. The robe goes on you. He loves you. And then instead of eating from the pig pen, you eat back at the table. Mephibosheth gets to eat at the table because he recognizes a father. Can you imagine... When Mephibosheth, who didn't know Jonathan, finally meets David and said, there's something about you that reminds me of my dad. There's something about you. I didn't get to know my father, but there's something about you that reminds me of my dad. We're supposed to be beloved in the story. There's something about you that reminds me of Jesus. There's something about you. Guess what? You ready? Everybody has the gift to lead someone to Jesus. I'm thankful that I recognize mine. I'm asking you on this Father's Day, are we not thankful that we have a home that says there is no program here. Let's get to Jesus. Amen. So what's the main result? To hope for the unseen, you can't quit. You find the course, which is the word of the Lord for your life. Get on the bike and enjoy the ride. If you crash, 
Get around people that will help you get back up. Because at the end of the day, is everybody in this room making mistakes? Yep. And at the end of the day, we're all loved. 100%. And people can say what they want to. It's not about land. Tell Isaiah 62 that. The earth hasn't got to see a group of people that realize the Lord's delighted in them so that he can marry the land called Beulah and the builder's sons, which is all of us. Big Mike wrote something amazing about this. Builder's sons are not just kingdom builders. Builder's sons are Joseph's with a robe. And if I've got to take that robe and put it on every person in this room so that you realize he's delighted in you, then so be it. So be it. May we take the next six months and robe everybody in this house. Because how'd it feel, Chloe? Leah, how'd it feel? Justin and Ashley, how'd it feel? Bill, how'd it feel? People be watching on live stream going, they're weird. Thank you. Because the weirdness might be what identifies your daughter. Because there may come a day that she feels like Mephibosheth. And I'm thankful that she had a Jonathan that would connect to a David. That if you can't be there, Dad, listen, if you can't be there, Jonathan, because you don't know the end result, if you can't be there, when you teach your children of what beloved is, when he looks David in the eyes, he knows there's no strings attached. I get my seat back at the table. Mephibosheth, let me tell you something. You never lost your seat. You never lost your seat. You never lost your seat. So I say that to those that don't feel robed and those that don't feel like they have a home. You never lost your robe and you never lost your seat. Two stories we've had these past two weeks. Joseph never lost his robe. The redeemed heir never lost his robe. And Mephibosheth never lost his seat. Surround yourself with fathers that can identify you so you always know that you have a place at the table and you have a robe on your back. And then the builder's sons will marry the land and Pharaoh will put a ring on your finger. Thought I was going to leave that out, didn't you? No way. No way. You're the sons of the Most High God, T.L. Lowry. Who are you? Who are you? So what they used to tell T.L. Lowry. Who are you? I'm T.L. Lowry, son of the Most High God. And he didn't say that arrogant, and it wasn't a joke. He meant who he was. If you caught him when he was joking about it, T.L., what's that stand? What's T.L. stand for? The legend. (laughs) That man knew who he was. And that man is a part of our legacy. So what do we do with this on Father's Day? Go change the world. 
we put enough robes on people and prayed over you in that whole pocket right there. But I'll say it like this. If there's anybody that's like, I feel alone, I don't feel apart, then I challenge you to do this. Come up here and let us put the robe on you. If you had in your mind, I need the robe on me, then let's put the robe on you. See, what happens in church a lot of times is we see God call out Aaliyah and call out the McCoons and we sit in the back and go, I wish you'd put the robe on me. Listen, that's just me in the spirit. You want the robe? Come get it. It's yours. Listen to me, it's yours. It's your robe, it's your ring, and it's your seat. I'll set you in this seat, which I call the seat of our apostle. I'll put the robe on your back and we'll put the ring on your finger. And you know what I'll tell you? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. You're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You're the lender, not the borrower. You are chosen by, you're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. You are chosen. And the chosen ones are not just the ones that get to preach the gospel. I am a football coach and I'll never play that game again. I'll never score a touchdown. I'm in the right place cheering on the sidelines. But you know what I do? I call the place. And it's up for them to run it. How should they run it? Exactly the way I showed them. Oh. And guess what? When I sit on the sidelines and I signal on Friday nights, nobody knows my name. Nobody knows my name. Kingdom builders, when your businesses explode, I don't need anybody to know my name. When your families are in burning revival, nobody needs to know my name. I just want to cheer you on. And if there are pastors in this church, I want you to have a bigger church than I do. I want you to succeed. Because that's what good fathers do. I want my sons and my daughter to do anything I've done, do it bigger. If you're going to coach, coach bigger. If you're going to pastor a church, do it bigger. Have bigger homes, bigger cars, bigger trucks. Go for it. Because you know what's happened? That's what's happened with Pat and Mike and Roger and Pat. Tina and I have went further than you. And there's no hierarchy in that. They celebrate us. And as grandparents and parents, we'll celebrate the next generation. But I'm telling you, the success of the inheritance of the next generation is your connection to Jonathan and Jonathan's connection to David. Amen? Elder Mike, do you have anything you want to add? To no, no? Ed, is there anything you would like to add? Nietzsche, is there anything in your heart? Mama T, I leave you with this Father's Day. I know these guys want to get up here and honor me, but listen to me. Go for it. Go for it. Every kingdom builder in this room, go for it. Every family in this room, do it right and go for it. Believe big. Dream big. Jason and Deanna, Dream big in Ravenna. This is happening.
Portage County will see an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And may God connect us to every church that we need to be connected to to see the fullness of beloved identity come. And we stop telling people to quit wrecking their bikes. You think they really want to wreck their bike? You think James really wanted to wreck his bike? Stop sinning. Doesn't work. It's never worked. Telling people how loved they are by God, that will stop sin. It was a simple scripture text. Love covers a multitude of sin. We win. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Beat. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.